Welcome to the Life on Time Become Inspired podcast with Dr. Alistair Bailey, Jeremy Bielas and John Ford. Hello and welcome to the Become Inspired Life on Time podcast. This is episode 12 and we're going to be talking about confidence today. Uh, we have our normal team. We have Dr. Bailey, uh, Dr. Bear. That's a new one, Dr. Bailey. It's a new, it's a new name, yeah. yeah we've got some new, new in. It's another, it's another person, Dr. Bear, otherwise known as Alistair Bailey, uh, Jeremy B. Lass and myself, John Ford. And yeah, we'll be discussing confidence. Confidence is one of our founding principles here at Life on Time. We are, uh, we believe that for anybody to be successful and live a fulfilled and meaningful life, you need to have confidence. Um, and we believe it can be trained. Um, it's one of the things we want to try and uh, build into the software that we have um, to try and help uh, children and young people uh, build confidence. Um, so that's one of the key things we want to do. So today we're going to be chatting about that. We've also got a special guest on today who I'm really excited about bringing on. He's a sports psychologist. He works with premiership football clubs, uh, professional golfers, um, and he's going to give us some tips um, for how to... Um, uh, basically, hopefully, improve confidence and build confidence. Um, but first why, off, why are, you getting, why are you getting another psychologist, John? Well, basically, yeah, basically, I, I thought that you know you miss you've missed a couple of meetings, and you know this is your um, a, just, a meeting, John. Just, just, just a uh, just a little nudge. You know, it's a slippery slope now. You're not even Doctor Bear anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, just getting, getting chucked, aren't I? Yeah. Better perform then, haven't I? It's not, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's not you. It's me. You know when this is released, and I, I, I listen back to his whatever he says. I'm just going to slate it in the comments. Yeah, okay. Okay. this is all. This is all rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, well, don't listen to him. Here's a link to my blog. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is what a sports psychologist will view on building confidence is probably to yours. So, I mean, if we start off with that, maybe um, Doctor Bear, what's your um, confidence? Is obviously a big subject there's lots of different parts of it there's um self-esteem attached to it i mean what's your sort of taking on the different areas of it and how it can sort of affect a child's well-being or a person's well-being yeah more generally about people's self-esteem so it's sort of um the difference being sort of confidence being about specific um perception of one's abilities and how competent they feel within it. So it might be sort of uh, specific spheres of life, whether it's public speaking, your job, your sport, uh, particular kind of subjects in school. And self-esteem relates more to kind of your perception of like you as a person. Um, and because I work in clinical settings, um, we're usually pe- sort of dealing with people that are struggling in some way. And self-esteem sort of uh, ten- tends to go hand in hand with it. Um, okay, so so because this is I, I wasn't quite sure. So for me, confidence. I look at it maybe when I play sport, um, and I look at it. Well, actually, am I going to be able to do that? Can I perform that skill well? Yeah. But it also can obviously cover self-esteem, which is actually how you feel about your, more about how you feel about yourself. I guess. Yeah, well, it can definitely contribute to. Um, so if you had, you know, good confidence within the sport, it contributes to you, sort of a part of your identity like self-esteem developing and if you have that that might open doors to sort of other areas that you might end up feeling more confident about and getting a uh, I suppose a greater sense of your own self-esteem 
So it's, uh, I think of sort of confidence as these small jigsaw bits um, that when combined sort of build up to self-esteem. Uh, okay. That's, cool. that's and, how I, mean, I think of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good analogy. Um, so, Jez, with, with your teaching and when you're coaching coaching kids, I guess you naturally have to be able to do that as a teacher, to be able to sort of build them up from a level where maybe they can't perform something or they're not comfortable in a certain scenario. And you, by the end of, the, I guess, not necessarily the session, by the term, you have a goal of where you can maybe get them to be where, and be comfortable. I think, yeah, I think for me as a head of sport, ultimately the, the overarching goal is for every student to feel confident uh, in themselves that they will continue physical activity long into adulthood. That's the big, that's the big goal. Um, I think if you go a bit more specific, then I think for, for me, I'm a massive fan um, to give young people the opportunity to experience as many different sporting situations and physical activity settings as possible. Because if you if you can be if you can have those opportunities, then you're going to feel more confident in those different areas. If someone you know, we talk a lot, actually, um, as PE teachers about over specialising too early, especially with young athletes. You get a student that so I've got one student I work with who will just do gymnastics all the time, um, very high level. But then you put them in other settings on a cricket pitch, rugby pitch, etc. They're a fantastic athlete, but they they don't experience those situations. They don't have the confidence in themselves. They're obviously totally able, athletic, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, we talked a little bit off air about the difference between confidence and efficacy, and I think that self efficacy is a really um, I like that way of looking at it because you, a lot of the time you can say, well, you're a confident person, but that's a big statement, isn't it? Because mm. you're a very confident golfer, uh, much more confident than Ali and I on the golf course. Um, I, you know, I put you two on stage with a guitar in your hand and I, I'd be more confident than you doing that. Don't know, don't know Jez, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always one for the spotlight, aren't I? Well, I, I think, <laughs> I wasn't sure what you'd be doing with your time in lockdown there, but at some point, I'd love to hear you. Uh, Mate, you should hear my my renditions of Frozen recently. They are pretty amazing. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I go to watch about like, 50 times a week. Sounds like you're setting yourself up for the next bit now, Dr. Bear. Ooh, I'm walking out of here. But I think that's, um, and going back to what you said, John, you know, learning, are we born confident? You know, do we think, do we think we're born confident people or is it totally there? What do you guys think about that? I, I, I've, yeah, I think it's pretty, in, it's innate in certain things. So I think I was fortunate that my parents were fairly good at sport, I think. So I think I might have had a, a bit of a, um, a gift given to me to be able to do that but I think that was then thoroughly well trained into me when I was growing up so I think it's probably a bit of both but I definitely think there's a bit of I mean if you look at some genes of gene pools of sportsmen I think they're they all they do tend to come from um maybe a, a certain family groups don't they what do you yeah, think? I, suppose, I suppose it's also having so there might be you know if we're talking about sport it might be having a sort of uh a, a, a kind of greater genetic biological sort of predisposition um not so as soon as if you've might... got really big feet or big hands yeah yeah like and, yeah. you know you think about rowing that's all about mechanics and sort of body proportions and stuff like that but that you've then got to be given the opportunities to sort of flourish and thrive and also develop your confidence through uh building positive experiences rather than just 
you know, shaming, losses, kind of attributing any failure to yourself and any success to, you know, luck or chance or everyone else. There's which, a, which is a skill. There's a lot of yeah. um, there's a lot like of psychological principles that under you know underpin that, aren't there? Because you just said attributions there, and I think yeah, one thing, one thing we teach a lot um, in GCC and A level P is um, attributional retraining and trying to retrain. And you'll be doing this all the time, obviously. Retrain people to attribute successes internally to try and build confidence as much as they can, mm. especially for learning a new skill. Um, the other thing I wanted to make a point of was. Um, as a teacher, we're constantly weighing up the process of reinforcement. So positive reinforcement. But, you know, I, I'm not a massive fan of overpraise. I think praise, especially in teaching and in sport, and can be overdone. Um, and if you do that, then, you know, think about these individuals that go on talent shows that think they're, they've been told for years that they're fantastic singers or fantastic performers. They get up mm. on stage on Simon Cow and they're told they're absolutely rubbish. Yeah, uh, you know that's the thing for me as as a teacher, it's quite a big responsibility to be honest with students, um, but give positive reinforcement and praise in appropriate ways, but don't overdo that because you're not doing that individual any service if you do. Yeah, and that, no, that, that's a really key point, isn't it? I think the the, the balance is a balance there, isn't there? Because with the with certain parts of building skills of the you know positive reinforcement is obviously a a way of building confidence. But you do have a responsibility as a parent, as a teacher, of not going overboard with that. Because I think a child that's overconfident is almost uh, at risk of certain other things as well, a child that's underconfident. It's going to be a fragile confidence, isn't it? Because if you've never had an experience of being criticised, it's like in relative terms, it's going to feel like a huge knock. And if you've waited sort of all your athletic career or whatever kind of facet of life we're talking about, if you've never had it, and been able to tolerate it and manage it and still be able to locate, you know, actually, despite this, I can still see all the positives in me and my performance and my abilities. If you've never had that, sort of linking back to the resilience stuff we were talking about a few podcasts ago, um, it will always be incredibly fragile. Yeah. And I suppose I, um... I'd, I'd be wanting to sort of encourage, like, humility and hum- humbleness with it so that, you know, you know your abilities, but... Um, it's got to come with a recognition of your limits as well. Because if I go back to being a kid and I look back at my football team or in class, I remember there were some really confident kids and they they weren't likeable people because mm. they, I think the phrase back, back then was big head. You're mm. a big head. And that was something that I think I was always taught by my parents that you never, ever want to be um, arrogant or you never, that's, that's almost like worse than being too modest mm-hmm. so i think that's uh you want to try and build confidence but again i think you have a responsibility that you're doing it in a way that they're not overconfident i guess confidence can be the way you hold yourself and carry yourself it can be totally non-verbal can't it it can just be yeah. someone doesn't necessarily have to say or do anything they can just they just have a presence or they can be confident with their posture and almost the energy they give off i guess um, it's, a, it's the same part of that story though isn't it like it's another, it's another facet of it is sort of yeah. like the sort of physical um, manifestation of confidence. Yeah. So almost confidence as a, if we look at it as a, as an overall skill, there's actually lots of different skills within that. And I think this almost ties back to resilience when we were talking about that. It's 
resilience is just a word and actually there's lots of different facets and skills mm. that build all build up to someone or you quoting that someone's resilient or someone feeling resilient they have to have a group of skills and i think that's where uh what we're trying to incorporate with with life on time is actually being able to give those skills so you have a i think without uh a too uh, commonly used phrase but a well-rounded individual somebody who is confident resilient performs well um and that's i guess what the what the aim of what we're trying to do what i'm trying to do with my kids um and what i would hope that there are platform and what as a business we can do sounds good to me yeah spot on there was a really good um i follow a lot of because i coached parkour and um, i have been doing it for a while and i was following a guy uh on instagram and he they now i don't know whether you guys have seen any of these things these guys are doing unbelievable things some of them are this i mean some of them are pretty stupid because they're jumping buildings and you know things yeah. got it wrong but one of the guys said they they're have, overconfident, Jez. They're overconfident, well, they, aren't they? If you're going to jump, <laughs> if you're going to make a jump which could result in death or you know a real serious injury, they they're, they're having to deal with um, somewhat something in their head that says they can't do it, and then they have to overcome that by telling themselves you can do this. Mm. And I can't remember the exact quote, but it was just a really it was it was a really basic one. Just you got this. It was just a you got this in their own head, and I thought that was quite an easy simple way uh, yeah you don't want to be overconfident especially in those situations john like you were saying so they get that wrong um, but again with those guys they say if they've, they've repeat if they've done repetitions they've got resilience they can get those hours of training in then they know they got this and um, i think that's yeah like you say it all ties in together yeah yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting so just talking about uh if we're talking to teachers uh children uh parents with children Bear, Dr. Bear, do you have any sort of tips? I mean, that you would give. I know you give obviously your current work is with adults, but is there anything specific that uh, that you work? Maybe, maybe give an example of when you're working with somebody with low self esteem, what you try and do with them. I suppose attention more than anything else. Sort of, you know, quite literally, when I'm working with people, it'll often be the only time in their week or, or fortnight or whatever it might be where their needs are paramount and uh, the rest of the time they might well be caring for other people, they might be isolated, they might be on their own, they might be um, sort of neglected or they might be invisible within the crowd and I suppose that attention is an opportunity for them to thrive, to be seen because I think it's it's almost impossible to develop confidence if you're invisible. Um, and I think being able to be seen and have your um, your abilities kind of recognised and validated, uh, and and often with the people I'm working with, it's kind of it goes completely against the grain. So I can spend quite a long sort of long periods of time, almost um, like actively being the voice they haven't heard before in their lives. So if all they're used to is criticism. I wouldn't be doing it like, you know, to blow smoke over the bum, but I'll be actively looking to sort of find the stuff that they haven't been able to see or find the stuff that they haven't heard enough of and reinforce it. And if I can kind of connect with something, it'll be like Jez is saying that, that you got it. That's kind of an internalised, just, you know, they will have heard it somewhere else and it's stuck. 
for whatever reason they've started to believe and if you can get it from other people i don't think you'd want to be dependent on it but if you haven't had it or if you're coming from a position of really so really low i guess you're yeah you're you're i guess some of the guys that you're dealing with um are probably coming from a very low level so from a scaling point of view they're probably yeah. feeling really really low but, but i think you're right the principles yeah. are sort of yeah. the same if you're talking about sort of developing kids if you've got a really busy classroom or you've got a really busy house again it's kind of offering like time whatever that might be offering recognition offering praise um yeah not to kind of without fault or criticism and also attributing successes to sort of internal factors as well so it's not just you know it's not just sort of luck or roll of the dice that you've you know won this race or whatever it might be that you've done well it's because you're really good rather than it being about stuff that you can't control and if it is about stuff that you can control then it's stuff that you you can develop a confidence in training and developing because I guess like that's... you, not just waiting for the next chance to chance to kind of exactly. And I guess, and I guess, it's also training people to do exactly what you just said. So when they do do something well, or if a child does something well, they are attributing that to themselves rather yeah. than putting it down to luck or something else. And I guess if your child is currently in the way of actually, well, I've done well, but that's a bit of luck. It's educating them that it isn't luck, I guess. Yeah. And it's getting them into those skills. I suppose it's being open and saying that there's a degree of, I don't really like the term sort of luck because it brings with it like a consistency that I think, you know, gets logged to people or things. I think chance feels to me, I might sound like a semantic, but um, it it feels more, you know, things like chance can play a part uh, that can influence kind of results and how people perform. But ultimately it's kind of, if you can ingrain stuff in people's abilities, like in who they are, that's that's the best thing for me. The big one, um, the big one for me is the number of students I get that join the schools I've worked in, where either the student or the parent has said, "I don't like sport and I don't like PE," and then I just take that as I'm going to I'm going to change your mind on this because many schools will say, "Well, we play rugby and football and cricket, and if you don't play and you don't play those sports, then you're not going to do very well." Well. Everywhere I've taught, I've always had the mindset that I'll find the sport for you. I'll find you the activity or the sport or whatever that, that fits you and that you enjoy. So that's why something like parkour is great because it, there's no set of rules. It's creative. It's, it's different. It's a totally different um, structure, um, which we're trying to expand, especially now, especially with coronavirus. All schools are having to adapt because we can't play a lot of these sports yeah in september so i think you know other sports are going to come in and non-contact and um, old school physical education strength conditioning so yeah it's an interesting one like, just hearing you guys talk about f- finding the opportunity to give young people a chance to be successful that's the key. yeah that's it that's key that what you what you just said said there jez is actually i think spot on isn't it and i think i think, you're then, I think you're then really fortunate if you get someone like you who's looking to provide opportunities rather than just a blanket this is kind of what you get and maybe uh, lots of different factors in it but I think it's the whole I think back to the whole kind of square peg round hole scenario and I think the whole of education can be a bit like that if you don't fit into mainstream education then you're not going to be successful whereas I think you know potentially we need to look at that for all young people students that 
let's give it, you know, it's not just sport, it's everything. Let's give everyone an opportunity for success. Uh, and that might, that might mean that we've got to be a little bit more adaptable and creative with what we're offering them across the board, not just in sport. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess, and it's also the teacher's ability to be able to spot the child that needs to be challenged, which is the opposite of almost what we just said. Mm. So the child actually needs to learn something really easy to build their confidence. Mm. Um, that's all really interesting. Um, I've got Dr. Carl um, Steptoe on the phone. Um, he's going to be coming on now. Hopefully going to give us some tips, maybe a, uh, more, maybe a little bit more specific to sport, but I think it's going to be attributable to um, all walks of life. Um, there'll be a blog on this on our uh, website, which you'll be able to read, which will, and a video with uh, some tips on how you can uh, improve and build confidence in your children. So guys, thanks for tonight. That was good fun. Um, and we'll speak to you again next week. See ya. Cheerio, bye. Hello, and we have Carl, Dr. Carl Steptoe on the line here. Um, hello, Carl, how are you? Hi, John. Yeah, good, thank you. Um, really excited about today's guest. Uh, I'm a big sports fan. Um, I'm thoroughly into my sport. I think I'm thoroughly into my sports psychology. I try to be when I'm on the golf course. Um, so, yeah, just really, on a personal note, really interested. Um, obviously, we're talking about confidence today. So, yeah, we've got a, a sports psychologist on board. Um, so, yeah, Carl, just wonder whether you could tell our listeners what you do uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And for a job. Not sure I'm going to live up to that That uh, <laughs> build-up, John. But, um, yeah, I'm the sport and... Uh, performance psychology leader at Loughborough University uh, and work in um, private practice as well for the last nearly 10 years now. Um, I've got the best job in the world. I I get to work with students and student athletes. So uh, I'm responsible for providing support for our um, 500 athletes at at Loughborough and that we're at the start of that journey trying to build a service of support that our students can come into. And then I work uh, across a number of sports, golf, equestrian, and um, w- without planning, I've ended up with uh, a lot of uh, applied experience in, in football and, and youth football academies over the last seven or eight years. Um, and working with players, parents, coaches, everyone that's involved in in um, that development pathway. So it's a, a real varied job, uh, but but really exciting. And I think you've been quite modest there because you you also you deal with quite high end and high level sports. So, I mean, I know you can't probably say too much, but you I know you uh, you help with Premier League football club. Is that right? Yeah, yes, we've had um, some really valuable experiences at Premier League, and to to see um, the, the the pressures of of high performance and and all the things that go into that, and and the the tight team that work around those players has has been fascinating. So yeah, been really privileged to to get insights into dressing room and, and, and training. And and whilst that's exciting in its own right, it really helps us when we're working with young people because we have a better understanding of, of what it is that we're trying to prepare them for and, and what skills that they, they need to d- develop to be able to thrive in that environment. So, uh, yeah, selfishly, it, it makes work very enjoyable. It's very challenging um, because performance is, is the number one outcome that's required. Um, but yeah, it's been a really interesting time. 
And obviously, you're, we, we're, as a business, looking to help students, uh, children and teachers. So it's sort of in the school sector yeah. um, with well-being. So I, I thoroughly believe that if you're confident and uh, your performance is good, then you tend to have a better well-being. And I think there's studies out there that sort of prove that. So although sport necessarily might not be directly related to well-being, there is obviously a big connection there, which is obviously why we've got you on. Um, I just wondered whether, you know, with confidence, is there any sort of tips and that you currently are using to try and sort of build confidence in the teams that you deal with and the children and the young people that you coach? Yeah, I think um, I, th- I think the start point is that, that there's no quick fix to this, but that, that doesn't need to be as depressing as it maybe it sounds. Uh, you know, we always work with young people or athletes and, and look for immediate benefit and gain rather than than quick fix solutions that, that tend not to last too long. And, and I think the thing with confidence is we want to get some sort of consistency with it and some control over it or, or a feeling of control. Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest challenges to confidence is when it's very fragile. So if we were to give a, you know, as I say, something that was a quick fix and, and one minute you feel confident and the next minute that strategy doesn't work, right. you're so, sort of not doing anything to build the, the longer term confidence of that, that that player. So we try and work with all the people around the player to, to input on that confidence and try and add as many other sources of confidence other than previous performance, because unfortunately that that's the, the biggest boost to confidence. Am I playing well? Am I performing well? Am I doing well? Because then I'll be confident. Um, yeah. So just try and understand from uh, each individual, what what is it that would give them um, that that feeling that they can they can take on on that challenge. So it's it's very individual, uh, but broadly um, we would look at having some consistency around that player. So I think the biggest tip for me is the most confident athletes tend to have uh, multiple measures of success. I think the alarm bell start ringing ringing for me if I if I speak to a player and he or she says. Uh, to me that uh, success on that day is about winning or losing or about scoring goals or making birdies. If, if that's the only measure that they've got, for me, that that's really contributing to a really fragile confidence. So the most confident athletes I see tend to have 10, 15, 20 measures of success so that when they're evaluating their performance afterwards, they've got more to draw on. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I, and I think you can attribute that to any walk of life yeah. because I think if you're, if you then take that into a child's uh, life or a parent's life, you know, if you're just focusing on how, let's say, for example, your child's doing at school in their academic work, and you're not taking into any account of maybe their other skills that they have, then yeah, you're 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 basing it on quite a fragile, like you say, a fragile um, standpoint, I guess. Yeah, and I think the the reason it's important to get parents involved is because they are the experts on on their kids they know the mannerisms they know the habits they know the the triggers that that maybe um rock that confidence so and they're also um the people that model what confidence looks like so it really has to be that 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 joined up approach and i love working with parents because you you you're walking that delicate line of telling a parent how to be a parent and, and that's really not our intention it's basically saying look this is what we know from from our knowledge base that can contribute to how you can help your 
your your child develop confidence and it can be little things I, I remember you know my mum's the most supportive mum in the world but when I used to get back off the golf course the first com- <laughs> the first comment was how did you get on did you win and yeah. um, it was done with great intention but you know it gave me a very narrow measure of what was important it's black or white yeah. isn't it yeah, it's either you win or you lost and yeah. in golf that's pretty tough because there's normally a fair few people against you exactly and uh, but it it, it starts to unintentionally um put a focus for the child on what's important and what they they learn to value now in sport of course outcome is the most important thing but only when you're a professional you know when you're developing we need you to start to value learning development progression and and if we can instill those values uh, and and make that feel important then a child can come home and lose but still get a psychological return on that day so they might yeah. an absolute shocker technically or a shocker in the classroom and struggled with maths or or whatever but if they've demonstrated persistence if they've learned to ask for help and support then they're developing really important skills so that when their head hits the pillow at the end of the day there there can be some some confidence in there that that they, they they've got the skills to to meet the challenges in the long term so for me it's it's always a battle between short term and long term and and i appreciate that the short term goal of winning being successful is the one that's most valued but for me that the 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 athletes the players the young people that go on and thrive in those you know quite harsh environments are the ones that can can take that longer term view and think no actually you know persistence valuing effort uh, and those sorts of things are are, are where i'm going to get my confidence from so so almost smaller gains i guess smaller long-term gains which might not seem obvious to people is something to focus on with with children and with people in general when you're coaching um and then hopefully those will all will build up to a success in the long run which is what everybody wants yeah i mean i think we have a habit uh, all of us involved in working with young people of, of sometimes seeing uh children as little adults and so we tend to um put too high expectation on on um what they're doing so it might be the parent who's watching a, a footballer and you know that 10 12 year old footballer maybe doesn't control their emotions very well um and we're comparing that to what a premier league footballer would do well they're not going to develop uh, that that quickly they're not going to be able to manage their emotions and take that perspective so we can damage confidence by just holding the bar a little bit too high or, or not being appropriate and using the wrong measures to judge how well someone's doing um and i, I always say to the players you know when you write your, your biography in 30 years' time, no one's going to remember that you won 2-0 in the under-11s against Norwich on a Wednesday night. It's just not important. Um, but the things that you learn and develop will, will be. Um, yeah. But at that moment in time, confidence all comes down to, did I win, did I score? And and we all have a part to play in that, whether that's the sport and, and whether they place an importance on scoring, whether it's parents or coaches only acknowledging and cheering those successes or whether it's the, the you know, the, the player themselves and, and how they reflect on, on performances. So I think there's far more that we can do with confidence. It's not this mythical thing that just comes and goes. There is far more control that you can take over it if, if you take a I think this comes, uh, sorry to Jim, but I think this, this was really interesting is what would be great to know from you is what do, what sort of skills do you get them? Do, do they write stuff down? Do they set short, sort of short-term goals or they have, you know, is that something that you use as a technique? Well, I think the the, the great thing about 
uh, applied work is um, you've got to be creative and, 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 you know, we all work from an evidence base. So research and science is important, but um, you've got to turn that into something that a young person will engage with. So there's a lot of research out there that will talk about journals and writing things down. But anyone who's worked with a load of 12 or 13 year old young boys, that, that that's hard for them to engage with consistently. you know it's fun when you try and get creative i get them to maybe leave voice notes after matches uh, immediately after they've got off um we'll do um we'll we'll simulate um match of the day uh interviews after matches just (laughs) that's brilliant just to get an idea of you know what story are you telling about that performance and i'll tell you what's interesting about that is I, i might have a player that comes off the pitch and will say to me oh my god that's terrible that's useless i was rubbish today you put a microphone up there and some advertising boards behind them and say, you look like you struggled today. And they start defending themselves. They start saying, well, no, I was trying a lot of these things and I've been working on this in training. So it just helps us uh, sensitize them to the fact that they have access to a different version of what went on. And, and it's just yeah. a case of saying, look, it's not about right or wrong. It's not about true or not. It's not It's not about whether you actually had a bad performance or not. It's about whether that story is helpful to you or not. Is it helpful that you say, oh, my God, I was rubbish? Now, for some people, that is because it means that they'll go away, pay attention to detail, and it'll, um, it'll motivate them and push them on. But my experience says most, most young um, players will ruminate over that and focus on their mistakes and it, and it dents their confidence. So it's just a case of going, how's that working for you? You know, let's not argue about whether it's true or not. Is is that helpful? And it's a it's a story they tell themselves. It's the narrative that they come away with. Yeah. And I guess again, bringing it back to students and any walk of life, if you've done, if you if you're reliant on performative work or school or or anything, or even just as a parent, I guess if you go away talking to yourself saying you've not done a very good job, um, that's not going to do very good, is it? Whereas if you go away actually maybe praising yourself and changing that story that can obviously help as well yeah but and and i think it's important not to sell that as you know positive psychology and just trying to find good when things are are bad it's it's yeah just completely reframing something it's just about saying is that helpful or how does that serve you that story is it is it is it doing something good um but you know we all feed into that that story as well um so what's the with parents we do a lot of work around the car journey to and from sessions now that could be to and from school or it could be to and from a training session or match and you know we might get good conversations about what they want to get out of the day on the car journey there so some good goal setting multiple measures of success but then we when we ask them to reflect on the car journey home then the conversation doesn't bear any resemblance to what they talked about on the way there. It's totally, it's totally influenced by what the score was. So you might have had goals on the car journey there to young Johnny of, you know, just want you to practice talking to your teammates today, give maximum effort regardless of how the score's going, try that new skill you've been working on. Then they lose 3-0 and then mum and dad, or typically dad, unfortunately, is is picking apart the technical parts of the performance. Now, that's confusing for a young person, and it really undermines... All the work you're doing, yeah, I guess. and undermines the car journey there, because the kid goes, all right, I know we're talking about multiple measures of success, but the one that really matters is whether we won or not, not because that's what we're talking about here. So it, there's there's nothing that the young person... It's not fair to ask the young person to have confidence 
on their own, we've got to look at how we're supporting and feeding that story about what gives you confidence, you know, and, and, and if we're, you know, if we keep bringing it back to the score, then we might as well just say, look, sports about, um, you know, your confidence going up and down, depending on how you do and, and then leaving it at that. But um, there is much more than we can, that, that we can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really, really interesting. Um, is there, I mean, is there any, any other, I know there's, there is no magic, magic bullet that will help anybody but I mean maybe with the current circumstances obviously lots of homeschooling going on I know you're not a teaching yeah a teacher but but you can give to you know any parents listening that may be struggling their kids are probably um, maybe feeling anxious need a bit of confidence is there anything else that you can add that you can bring from your sort of knowledge working with some sort of top athletes top performing people I guess yeah I think um, you've got to make um, pay better attention to um, what gives us confidence rather than looking generally how do you create a, a confident young person you know is reflecting on the times that you have felt confident can they recall a time when they felt most in control and most certain about something and then just picking that part a little bit and going okay what 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 um, in that performance or or in the build-up to that was I in control of what were the, the what was the situation there was it and it could be anything you know it could be a good night's sleep it could be you know I had a, a good practice session before it could be um I knew I had clarity over what I was doing and we can start to then put in place some of the things that at least we know contribute to charging that confidence battery and I tend to use that as a as a metaphor really that you've got this battery and there will be things that charge your confidence and there'll be things that drain it and, and just getting the young person to to just have a think about what drains your battery. And if they say bad performances, well, how much time do you spend thinking and picking apart bad performances? Because if that's a drainer and not something that actually helps you, then we need to minimise that. So I'll work with adult players and, and the performance an, uh, analysts and go, look, why are we giving them this footage? You know, we can't trust players to use that in the best way because your your perfectionist, your 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 player that is low in confidence is just going to spend loads of time looking at their mistakes and that's just going to drain their battery. So you need to just have this little audit of, OK, what charges my battery? OK, knowing what I'm going to do, feeling like I'm prepared. Uh, and it could be a, a number of things getting there on time. Uh, what drains my battery? Spending too much time. Uh, thinking about things or for another player it might be getting there too early because now I've got all this time to worry and that affects my think about yeah. stuff yeah so I I use the confidence battery as a as a, as a metaphor that's a really good analogy actually because I think analogies especially for young people yeah. is really really good so to be able to get that point across a battery is actually really really good and then the only other one that that, that comes to mind consistently is is again just putting the responsibility on the young person and and working backwards from the performance whether it be a football match or, or, or whatever the performance is and saying look what would have to happen at three o'clock for you to arrive 100 ready and just drawing a little timeline what what would what would you be doing what would you be saying to yourself five minutes before where would you be half an hour before and, and we go back far as far back as the person thinks is relevant so some players will only take me back an hour and a half from when they turn up Another player will take me back three days before and the final technical training session. So we're starting to create more of a bespoke 
sense of right i've got some control over this i need to not spend too much time looking at footage i need to watch some matches on tv of my best performances i need to listen to this music before i go out i need to talk to the coach to get clarity about what he wants from me i need to speak to my fellow center back so that we've got understanding of what we're going to do and so on rather than just leading it to chance Uh, yeah because too often you know, how that first five minutes goes dictates the confidence of that team. They start looking around for signs of, look, is this, this going okay? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I just think there's too much left to chance in that respect. And we we feed this idea that there's not much you can do you can do about it, which is a shame. Yeah, so it's almost uh, the, the famous saying of, you know, if you fail, uh, fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail almost, yeah. I guess. So it's having some type of preparation, uh, and I guess that can again be attributed to quite a lot of things within people's lives. So yeah, but don't, that's brilliant. Don't, don't be afraid to look at your own experience because there will be times in your life that you have felt confident, and even if it's only a few. And just have a quick think about okay, well, what what contributed to that? It wasn't just luck. It wasn't just chance. So you know what 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 can we put in place? Yeah. So it's not, it's not recreating the wheel as well, is it? Because no. actually, it's looking back at past experiences of when you have done well. So they. They haven't got to suddenly come up with sort of a magic formula. It's actually they've actually probably done it or they've had a positive experience before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's excellent. I mean, I'm pretty sure our listeners will enjoy listening to that. Um, really appreciate you coming on. Um, no problem. I, I don't know whether, obviously, you do, I know you do some private sessions, but you're probably uh, ahead of the game on some of the sport. But if we've got any sporting uh, listeners out there, is there any website that we they can go to to maybe get in yeah, contact with Yeah, I've got you? a number of uh, uh, colleagues that work with us at um, A Mind to Perform. So it's amtp.co.uk. Um, You've got your me there now i'm not very good on social media i'm getting old john amtp.co.uk um, okay no worries well we'll put that on our website uh, so people can click on that link and get in touch if they want to but yeah really appreciate your help today and uh, thank you and good luck with all the teams that you're coaching brilliant thanks john cheers carl okay for more help and advice from life on time please visit our website www.lifeontime.co.uk There's lots of helpful hints and tips on how to nurture your students' well-being, so please take a look. Mm-hmm.